Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as reporter for Sunday night. <laughs> Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Peter Jane Madam. Oh my gosh, that's it. I'm changing my Twitter biography. That's crazy. Is that all I've got? That's embarrassing. You're not the first person to have said that, PJ. I'm sure. I want to be like cooking up pumpkin scones or something, you know, something completely random or, you know, what does Joe Hildebrand have? He's opposed to nude surfing or, you know, something mm. out like that. Oh. Importantly, as a journalist, though, you don't have what seems to be prerequisite for everyone else and that is opinions my own yes that's right that's because i'm so bad on twitter i barely have an opinion if you were to search on all of my tweets it is appalling (laughs) that's my new year's resolution i need to get stuck into twitter like no one's business this year that's a great start Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just need to actually do it what are we when march oh dear yeah, I've got a long well, way to go. It's just I travel quite a lot, so ah, I, I wish that I was on top of it more. I wish I was checking it more. I wish that I was tweeting more, but I just I just never get around to it. I'm sure you have bigger things on your plate, PJ. Yeah, I do, and I'm not talking pumpkin scones, but yes, yes, I do. I usually do have bigger things on my plate, or I'm in a different time zone. But yeah, I mean, even if it's just observations or things that I'm picking up, or just something you know very random and funny, and even you know, not to do with the news or Sunday night. I should I should still be tweeting, yeah, for sure. Tell me, Peter Jane, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Yes, well, you just made a rookie error. Totally call me PJ. <laughs> <laughs> so Peter Jane is reserved for two people on the planet, and that is Rodney yes. and Therese Madam, who both reside in Mackay, North Queensland. And, um, yes. And they both took ownership of naming you. Well, yes, but also... Yeah, but also in just the context in which they use the full name because Peter Jane is a mouthful. So like everybody else who probably, you know, has a short nickname in a very Aussie way, um, the full name comes out when I am in trouble. And I have been in trouble for quite some time, I have to say. Very very happy to report that. Yeah. It always helps, right, to know that the, the parameters are such that when the full name does get delivered, it's getting serious. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. No, I. it usually used to be around the time where, you know, I'd get grounded for things or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, those days are kind of long gone. I would imagine, though, in, in the, the nature of your professional career, you still get grounded, just not in the way that you used to. <laughs> yeah, I red card myself all the time, of course. Maybe <laughs> no. Um, well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, my boss is really cool. He calls me Peach, in fact. So there's no um, – in fact, I get shortened even more. If, if you thought PJ was short, like, you know, let's go the whole hog. Let's just make it Peach. <laughs> Change, uh, you know, two syllables to one. So, yeah, it's quite good. How Aussie is that, taking a nickname and shortening it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it doesn't get much more Aussie than that. I quite like it. Mm. PJ, what do you like to do when you are in your very limited moments of downtime? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, probably I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bondi girl, so probably swimming would be my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can go down to the beach and spend some time in the salt water, I'm very, very happy. I'm often very tired so, you know, it's a great wake-up call and I love just being in the water. And I know that sounds 
naff. Gosh, it's coming out of my mouth and I sound like an idiot, but I, I really do like it. You know, we're, we're often on planes or we're living out of suitcases or, you know, the hotel room you become very familiar with. So being outside, as, as simple as it sounds, and again, I sound like an idiot, but I love it. I totally love it. Well, knowing, knowing how you depressurize is an important thing, right? Otherwise you can get caught in, in situations where everything's built up and mm. you do have a, not only a very heavy schedule when it comes to travel, but a fairly um, heavy schedule when it comes to the, the subject matter that you sometimes cover in your professional yeah. career. Yeah, totally, totally. And I guess it's one way of clearing your head, but it's also, it's just very grounding. Like I, I like the odd occasion where, you know, I'll take public transport or I'll just be out and about and it's just humans are the best leveler like the randomness Mm. of human nature and just you know the shit that you see down the street you're like oh my gosh that's what makes me curious about the world and about life that's why I'm a journo that's why they pay me um to be a busybody because that stuff just you know that stuff just gets to me so it is and like what in one respect I do have some downtime and in the other I'm like okay I'm level like you know I'm not so cool because I'm always traveling about and, you know, got a great job or whatever. Like it is, this is what it all you know comes down to. So yeah, I, I, I like that to me is balance. Were you always a busy body? A little bit. Um, yeah, I was, I, I guess I was, I was probably the girl at school who talked too much, you know, got a good report card, but somewhere down the bottom it would like be like, you know, Peter Jane, here we go. So Peter Jane would be used by my teachers. Um, Peter Jane is a very uh, good student who often uh, gets distracted by other people and is therefore distracting herself, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, this is hitting a raw nerve, is it, Steve? Just, just... Oh, more than once, PJ, have I seen <laughs> on the report card, Steve would do better if he applied himself and shut his mouth. Exactly. Exactly. So... I think with the busybody persona often comes quite a chatterbox persona as well. So, yes. Are you doing what year 11 PJ thought she would be? Oh, God, no. Oh, my gosh. Year 11 PJ was just an idiot, I think. I think she was just clueless about what she wanted to do. I really look back and think, how did I even make it out of Mackay? Like, seriously, I just, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I love Mackay. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the number one fan of my hometown, but I really <laughs> didn't know what I was doing. And I think I think I was just oh, a bit of a butterfly. Like, I think I liked a lot of things, but, again, didn't really apply myself. And um, I was just interested in people and I was interested in stuff and in things. But no one ever told me, hey, you can get paid for that. Or no one ever told me, hey, you know, when you talk a lot, someone can actually give you a wage, <laughs> let alone make a career. So if someone had told me in year 11, you'd be a journalist, I'd probably like be like, no bloody way. Uh, I just that's ridiculous. I actually, believe it or not, I started off um, doing a teaching degree. Yes. Yes. I believe that. Oh, what, did you do that too? Is that Did that come well, with? I, I wish I did become a teacher. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I'm from a family of teachers, so mm. it was kind of like a default mechanism. Just tick that box that says, what do you want to do at uni? And I kind of pressed, you know, you know ticked that box and pressed that button. But um, I, um, oh, gosh, yeah, I suppose I should just come clean on this. I was doing mm-hmm. my, my PRAC in Brisbane, so I moved from Mackay to Brisbane. Right. I was doing yes. um, PRAC where, you know, as a young university student, you front up to – um, you know, maybe 
I, I, my, in my case, it was primary school, so I think it was maybe grade one or grade two, and I had to sit in on, on a different class and, you know, take notes and obviously observe yes. and learn through osmosis. And I was, um, it was about oh, siesta time, so it was just in the afternoon, just after big lunch, and I was suitably hungover that day and I fell asleep with the children right. and I never woke up. So right. we decided that um, we, <laughs> like it was just me, myself and I, but yeah, I just thought, okay, I'm going to promptly walk myself out of that school and probably switch degrees. Which did, was it then, was journalism the, well, I think I can do this or someone said, hey, PJ, that camera talking thing might work. No, no, I was so reluctant to do this. So reluctant. No, my first um, stint at uni was, well, after the education dropped off, I just finished up my arts degree and I majored in, what I majored in? Funny how you don't remember these things. I actually don't even know what I mm. majored in. Um, po- uh, politics and media, of course. Yes. Oh, so great. Yeah, I did that and then I did um, a business diploma. So I went back to uni, studied business. Yeah. And then I went back to uni for a third time and then did journalism. But very reluctantly, I might add, I, I did not want to be a journalist. I just used to, I used to think of them as just, I don't know, like just little parasites. Honestly, I had such a bad oh, view of, of, of journalists. I really did. I truly, truly, truly did. It took me a long time. It says time. a lot. It says a lot for the local media in Mackay. No, no, no. By that stage, I was in Brisbane. So we're fast forwarding like a oh, good, you know, six or seven years I was at uni and um, I was so reluctant to do it. And it wasn't so much, no, it wasn't that. I, th- I just thought, oh, my gosh. What I used to think and feel was that a minute 20 for a story was just ripping yourself off and your viewers off and everyone else off. Like I always mm-hmm. – thought everything should be longer and I don't know if that's because I love talking and love talking underwater and love other people talking and always feel that a conversation is never a minute 20. Um, having said that I got my you know my base training in the nine newsroom in Sydney here and it was just fantastic mm-hmm. and of course you learn how to write very quickly and yep. you learn to put stories together very quickly that are a minute 20 and it is a hard thing to do. You know, um, long form is hard, but I'm so glad that I cut my teeth um, in the newsroom because it just gave me a great base to start with. It's a hell of a nursery, isn't it? The nine newsroom, particularly in Sydney. It's that, a great that, that's nursery. The home yes. To some amazing uh, journalists. Well, strangely, um, Denham Hitchcock, who is a fellow reporter, is, mm. um, you know, we, I, I first met him, you know, 10, 11 years ago uh, there. So, you know, there are a couple of us who were kind of, you know, just starting out, although Denim had been there for a couple more years um, more than me. And, yeah, that's that's where we met. So it's just – it's such a small world as well, you know. Yeah, I do hear that. At uni- Is it at university or is it in the newsroom writing those 80-second pieces that they teach you to have your TV voice? Ah, that's a very good question. Um I was put into speech and drama classes probably from about the age of 10 in Mackay. So I did that outside of school as well as within school. And I actually think I've got one of the worst voices on television. I just, um, I struggle with my voice constantly. Um, Yeah, so I I think, um, is that the question you asked? Are we talking the same thing or did it just break up then? No, no, no. Well, it, in part, it, uh, the thing that always amazes me is the tonal condescension that seems to flip on 
for journalists when they've got to do their piece to camera around, yeah. you know, the political thing or the, the you know, traffic snarl or the whatever we're reporting yeah. on. Yeah. And when you talk to them outside the realms of here's my bit to camera, there's wonderful inflection and yeah. interest and colour in their voice. But when I'm on the news, after I've done many nods for no apparent reason, I then yes. have to <laughs> talk like it's this so that you can be sure I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I actually – and trying to get out of that. Uh, but but mm. part of this is my real voice. I mean, what you're hearing now is my real voice. Um, and, I mean, I've had it for a long time, so, I mean, I, I think if you went back on earlier tapes, like th- there are some people, honestly, that you're like, hey, you didn't sound like that 10 years ago, no way. But in terms of um, now compared to, say, when I was news reading for SBS, um, mm. absolutely trying to undo all of that. And as I said, I really struggle um, with my voice for, for a variety of reasons, um, notwithstanding the fact that I suffer from a lot of reflux, which sounds ridiculous for a 35-year-old young woman, but um, it's burnt part of my esophagus. So wow. I actually have um, quite a few, like, you know, projecting issues. Like, yes, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. imagine. So reading the news um, was just, I've dreaded it because I, it almost felt like I was losing my voice and I couldn't eat beforehand. Eating is a big thing in my life. I like to eat quite a lot and I like to eat regularly and nice food and just the idea that, oh my gosh, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to be reading, but I can't eat because I'll be burping. I'll be, you know, digesting. And it's just, all that sounds a bit kind of creepy and weird, but it was just honestly like, Something sitting in the stomach when I had to project was just not good. It's, I can imagine for someone that you know has to not only stumble across the latest Middle Eastern uh, Ayatollah's name or whatever oh. that because SBS specialise in all of those great European and uh, oh. East Asian, oh, yeah, just the, the names are crazy. The tennis and the World oh. Cup, shoot me now. I remember, yeah. I remember the um, oh, was it Dolkopolov? Like I'm even stumbling over it now. But his last name, so he's a tennis player, his last name did not um, fit across the auto cue. So it fit across almost like two and a half lines. And I sat right. there and actually went dot, 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 It was just, and then in the end I was basically putting up my hands going, all right, sorry, guys, just, you know, uh, you, you, you've, you've, you've lucked out here. Like, whatever, I, I just give up. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was very embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we talk about the old mate that won the tennis. Yes. It was like that guy, that guy, that just watch your screen, everyone, everyone, just watch the television. Don't turn over, don't turn over. You're about to find out who wins. I can't pronounce his name, but all good, all good. <laughs> so bad. It's like, why haven't they sacked me yet? I'm so from North Queensland, you know. <laughs> don't give me this other, this, you know, these other names to say. It's too much. Well, at least those of us that are old enough to remember and went through school, influenced by a former Queensland Premier, at least we've been able to get the whole BJELK, you know, sort of (laughs) German, East German, Polish thing going on. That's easy. Look, it's no excuse. I mean, I'm just, you know, um, obviously joking, but um, half half the fun in this job is learning, um, you know, different names, like tapping into different languages all the time. I, I like that stuff. That's the other thing, I think. You know, as a kid, I was always a chatterbox and very curious and loved talking to people and finding out their stories. But um, also I was just interested in, in the world and, and just, I don't know, how it worked and also, you know, the languages that, that you know, consume the world. So, yeah. Mm. What have you learned about the world even just this year in your job for Sunday night? Um, 
that yeah, that low cost carriers with airlines um, really suck to fly on. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, look, um, what have I learned about the world? Oh gosh, I mean, I could answer that and be so arty farty and oh, and so politically correct. But look, to be honest. I just find that no matter where you go, there's just universal languages among people in different places and in different cultures. You know, you smile at someone, it just diffuses so much. Or you say thank you, or you you make the effort to to learn the very basics of a different language and it it just counts in volumes um, in a different country. Or, you know, you just... um, I, I don't know, you just take the time to learn that you're always a visitor in somebody else's backyard in another country. And I just think then you're always better placed to have um, a better perspective of the world and um, no judgment as well. And you always come out learning something new. If I if I walk into, like pretty much I could say this categorically, I've never travelled to one city, one town, one country, continent, whatever, however far you want to go that I haven't liked. I've liked something in every place that I've been to. So I'm really grateful for that opportunity and I always try to take a bit of that with me home. Otherwise, you know, am I learning anything? Then probably not. So, yeah, I always try to make that um, a priority when I'm, when I'm out and about travelling. What have you learned about PJ Madden this year? Oh, she's very disorganised. <laughs> <laughs> Insanely disorganised. I'm surrounded by like dirty clothes and my shoes are sitting on my bed and just there's papers galore. Look, there's just not enough hours in the day. It's It's been a busy year already and it's only mm. March. Um, and I've learnt what I learned about myself. Um, gosh, I've learnt that you just got to pace yourself. I have to pace myself because um, – Travel takes quite a lot out of you, surprisingly. You know, yes. people think, oh, it's so glamorous and, you know, but you get to go to America and you're thinking, yeah, but every time I go, I see an airport and a hotel room and in the interview setting and that's about it, that I'm home. Um, mm. and, and, yeah, it's just, I mean, you know what it's like when you're sitting on a plane and you're thinking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? In my mind, I often think, can we not land yet because I've still got more work to do? So it's it's been it's been you know, busy, just really, really busy. And I'm not, uh, you know, I don't mean to sound like I'm complaining or anything because I, I love my job. But, um, yeah, I think for me what I've learned about myself is that I've got to, you know, just pace myself and know, you know, take some breaks and the travel does get to you sometimes. So yep. it's good to swim or good to do stuff, good to, you know, take time out, be indulgent, get a massage, whatever. Um, yeah, because this is quite a physical job. So, that I probably discounted in my first couple of years at Sunday night and so now I've, I've totally taken that on board and a lot of the other reporters when I first um, got to Sunday night gave me the advice, the same, same sim, similar kind of advice where obviously they had felt, you know, just that wear and tear of travel really get to you. So, yeah, yeah that's probably what I've learned. How, how do, because I'm sure, uh, well, now, in fact, I know the executive producer of Sunday night is, someone who is concerned about his staff uh, and h- how do they keep an eye out on you guys to make sure that you don't burn out? Cause it would be very oh, easy to push you and push you and push you. Totally. Totally. Look, the one thing I love about my job is the people, you know, the people in that office. I mean, I was there today. It's a good Friday. You would expect many people to be working. Um, I'd say a quarter of the office was in and everyone there I can say is like a family member. 
and they have to be because you spend so much time with these people. I mean, when you're on the road, you see them more than your your loved ones. You know, at the moment, I've mm. seen um, a particular crew more than my fiance at this point. I've travelled more with them, and I've seen them more than the guy I'm about to marry. Like it is just Gosh. insane. And they really do take on roles as like your mother or your father or your sister or, you know, your brother or whatever. And I'm very blessed that the office, the Sunday night office, is filled with amazing people. I'm not just saying that to, you know, in case someone's listening who who, who (laughs) might be in the office, but they should tune in. Um, No, it's, I, I don't know. I think because we're in really extraordinary circumstances and situations, and you have to have each other's back and, and yep. that we have in spades. So I'm, I'm very lucky and I think everyone knows everyone else's telltale signs when things are getting too much. So, you know, there have been a couple of cases where you just go through damp times for whatever reason and there, there is always, always someone who, you know, will, will kind of come up to you or, you know, just lend a hand or just say, you know, you're all right, do you want to grab a drink or do you want to, you know, go up for coffee or do you want to, you know, just, you know, they'll check in with you. So mm-hmm. I can't complain. I'm, I think just the people that I work with, I'm very, very grateful for. So where is the line between public and private for you? Oh, gosh. Um, where is the line? Oh. Mm. You know, the interesting thing is that since being on Sunday night, I mean, people kind of think, well, it's a bigger job than, say, what I used to do at SBS or at Channel 9. True. Um, but are you necessarily seen as much on television? Mm, no, false. So it's very strange, but if someone recognises me, it's usually from reading. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and or, but often what I normally get is, oh, you look like someone we might know. Or, um, and, and then normally I'm left alone. I, I don't, no one knows me. No, you know, it's so wonderful. No one gives a stuff what I do. I'm not, um, you know, as, you know, the crew uh, the, who work for Sunrise, like I do to an extent think that they've got a really tough job because there's so much public scrutiny. Um, you know, they'll be in the social pages or whatever they may do will have some kind of coverage later on or something that they might, may say which may have been controversial or, you know, stirred up something. It, it'll be in the papers or it'll be online. Whereas with me, I, it's you, you kind of, you know, you're... Uh, you're under the radar so much and because you know, we're travelling so much as well, I do get to keep a pretty good private life. Um, I mean, my fiancé, Tim, he works in the industry as well, so he knows what it's all about and um, I don't think anyone really gives a stuff about myself or us, which is great and I relish that. I'm very, very <laughs> grateful for that. Well, it, it allows those decompression moments to happen a little easier. It just becomes a time management thing, doesn't it? Yeah, totally, totally. I think you need that as well. I mean... You don't want to live, eat, breathe, sleep, your work, um, you know. But but yeah, that, that's why I kind of feel sorry for you know, Samantha Armitage or Eddie or, you know, I just think, wow, they they have quite a lot of, um, I wouldn't say scrutiny, but it's just interest, you know. Just people, people want to know what they ate for breakfast or where they walked the dog or something. It's just like, oh, my gosh, really? Really? They're my colleagues. What are you doing? Yeah, so in, in that case, the, the line is pretty obvious to me, but in terms of, um, you know, it's not as though I've got to worry about giving myself too much because I'm, I'm barely ever here, which is, yeah, kind of cool. Hmm. How much of that interest in, uh, say, the, the guys from Sunrise do you think is legitimate 
public people are interested as much as the media needing to or wanting a story to fill column inches, get clicks, that stuff? Oh, I think it's a bit of both. I think one probably feeds the other, starting with the latter. Um, yeah. You know, people that I work with, um, particularly Channel 7, they are so down to earth. I mean, yeah, you can have your, your big egos once in a while and stuff, but everyone's just pretty normal and they're just getting on with their job. So if, if, if it was reported correctly or if it was reported with a lot of frequency, the general public would be very bored there would be no news. <laughs> so to an extent, I get I get why there's interest in, um, uh, in, in the faces of morning television, for example, or you know, 6pm news because, you know, they're out, they're part of the, the, the community, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of where I stand, I just think, you know, when you know them, when you really get to know them, they're as interesting as anyone else. So really, should they be news? But, you know, you get how this this game rolls like everyone gets it so you know unfortunately I, I could come up with a really philosophical answer to that but I just also know the reality of it that you know when you're on those shows there is going to be um interest there are going to be social pages that stuff you up and then pull you down there are going to be paps it's just going to happen yeah what's the most dangerous thing you've ever done Well, I just went for a swim in three degree waters in Poland for five minutes, but it was dangerous in so much as, you know, I had to be in good health and I had to withstand the cold for that long. Like, I knew I was going to live though. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God, I could be... Again, an idiot and say, oh, zip lining, you know, 180 kilometres an hour or in New Zealand or, um, um, oh, you know, I broke my fingers surfing or something. I don't know. I could say a lot of things like that, but I don't really think I've done anything dangerous. I mean, I know that's kind of the question to ask of, um, you know, the reporters who do these kind of jobs, but that's that's just never been my, my thing or my round. I mean, there's probably been little things I could think of if I thought of it, <laughs> but at the moment, I just, I, yeah, nothing really springs to mind as being too dangerous. I'll put it this way. What I classify as dangerous could be nothing to somebody else. Let's say, for example, um, we were filming extreme parenting. It was a story that went out a couple of weeks ago. And it's this idea that mm-hmm. parents around the world are wanting to um, test their children's boundaries by exposing them to some extreme sports. So it toughens them up, roughens them up. Um, builds up their resilience levels and they get to, yeah. you know, learn how to assess fear at a young age. So it was a great shoot, lovely story, awesome parents, awesome kids. And uh, it made me think about, gosh, how I want to raise my kids. Should I have kids as well? So all of those buttons were pressed and it was fantastic. Now, we were in Chamonix in um, France and we had to get to the base of Mont Blanc. Now, it wasn't snowing there at the time, so we had to find snow. Now, because it wasn't snowing, all the chairlifts were closed and they're not yes. going to turn on um, the chair, the whole chair lifts and get people to into work just for, you know, little old Channel 7 back, you know, based <laughs> back in Sydney. So in order to get to the snow at the base of Mont Blanc, we actually had to travel down. So where we were at this particular altitude, we had to go back down. And going down was over the side of a cliff, and that was probably about 1,000 metres and long, as in down, straight down. Yes, and the vertical drop 
was, you know, was only kind of facilitated by these tiny, rickety iron uh, ladders that were bolted into the side of the cliff face. So without a harness, without any safety measures, with these really ill-fitting shoes that I was wearing, I don't mean stilettos, and I'm scared of heights, we had to, and not just myself, but my cameraman, my sound recorders, my producer, um, with gear on our back, we had to climb down with sweaty palms, not just one, not just two, not just three rungs of ladders. I think it was probably more about 100 little ladders. And they weren't in order, so they were actually kind of, you had to climb a couple of steps and then jump across to another. And, I mean, when you've got stuff in your back and the curve of the ladders are actually, because they're bolted to the side of the cliff face, the cliff face is not smooth, it's not even, it's not straight down. Mm. So sometimes you'd actually be climbing under so you'd almost be hanging, like, you know, with the, the rock face, like above your head kind of thing. And um, it was really scary. Like if we had dropped, that was it, you'd be dead. And the, the photos that I've shown, um, you know, to my friends, my girlfriends, people were just, I, I, I thought it was more dangerous once I was showing the photos going, oh, you'd never believe this. We spent two hours. Like it took ages to climb down these damn things. And we were just, you know, shitting ourselves. Um <laughs> We all were because it was, we knew it was dangerous, but it was something that we had to do to get the shot, right? And mm. um, when I was showing my friends the photos, it was, the, it was the, pretty much the amount of people who said, no, we would never do that. That was when I realised, oh, okay, that's dangerous. That was dangerous. Like I knew it was at the time, but it was other people's reaction that put in my mind, hang on, it's probably silly and stupid and dangerous. Yeah, so you get that. I know, I know some journalists would just be like, right, okay, um, Iraq war, second one, whatever, you know, I'm sure they, they have a lot of things, <laughs> yes. you know, Balkans, blah, 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 Serbia, whatever. But for me, it, I I can't, you know, I haven't been to those places. So I'm not going to say something where it gen- genuinely didn't terrify me. So that's why I always stumble with that question because I think, well, some people be like, come on, toughen up, love. It's just a bit of hot, you know, it's just a few ladders or something over a long period of time at a crazy yeah. height. Um, a few ladders. Yeah. So I just kind of, I don't know, I always try to be, fairly measured with that not because um oh, i think just because I, I i think you know dangerous is pretty subjective as well it it sounds like you need to hang out with some people who have a little bit better understanding of what dangerous is <laughs> if at the time no one kind of went this could be very bad do you know what it actually was it was the talent who went um i'm not confident with you guys going down here and my producer looked at the crew and looked at us and he went, oh, no, we'll give it a shot. And we just started climbing down. And that was it. We'll give it a shot. Yeah, we'll just give it a go. Yeah, let's just give it a whirl. You know, it was it was just quite hilarious because that night we thought, right, that's it. This cause for celebration because we made it alive. And the more and more we kept talking about it, the more we were looking at each other's photos. And then obviously people were looking at it as well. We were like, oh, shit, gosh, imagine if HR found out about this. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. What was your excellent story could have very easily become tragedy today. Oh, look, you know. Sunday night film crew fell to their bloody death. And you know what? No one respects stupidity, you know, like particularly it's <laughs> like, oh, we just really wanted that one shot. Can you imagine, like, if I was a punter just reading that in the paper, mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, you stupid idiots. That's all I think, you yeah. know. It'd be very hard to sympathise, right? So Nobody respects stupidity, least of all the insurance companies. Oh, I know, I know. They still probably don't know about it. But 
Those spoil sports. I know. The fun police, damn it. Yes. Oh, well, we've got to have them. No offence to anyone out there who works in the industry, of course. (laughs) (laughs) What reality TV show would you love to star in? Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Reality. What am I starring? Gosh. Stop it. I'm salivating right now. Uh, um, Do I just have to give one answer? (laughs) You can give as many as you like, PJ. Do you remember that show, It's a Knockout? Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to represent Queensland so badly. Um, How fun. And this is the original Billy J. Smith, Fiona McDonald hosted one. Yes. I just used to think, yeah. Yeah. And then Gladiator came on. And I just thought, no, 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 that's too much of me. Um, No, it's a knockout, just like one big giant playground. But hang on. I know what you're asking. And I just, I don't think I can, I don't think I could give one. Look, I love, I'm not a media snob. This whole thing of, um, you know, certain media, not watching other media or not watching um, or not listening to certain radio stations or not reading papers or, you know, their alliance is somewhere and they can't read somewhere else. I just think it's all garbage. I think I like being, for want of a better word, a media tart. Like I like being (laughs) interested in it all. I like absorbing it all. I like listening to all of it, particularly if there's someone I don't like or views who I don't agree with. I actually... Um, go to them more, actually make the effort of reading them more because I just think I, I, I like learning and I like knowing yep. the opposing view. I like knowing the debate. I like, I like knowing the other side. So I'm curious. I'm always curious. So, you know, some people will be like, oh, reality, oh, reality TV. No bloody way. Oh, I've, I've been obsessing about first dates lately, which is on obviously Channel 7. <laughs> um, uh, a friend of mine um, has produced it and I, I've just loved it. I've just thought the way that they put it together is just like one big social experiment. And mm. I love seeing the awkwardness of it. I mean, of course, I, I don't need to star in it. I don't have to. I don't want to star in it, but I, I like it. Same as The Bachelor. Like, I don't care what anyone mm. says. I was a massive fan. Mind you, I didn't watch all of the episodes because I wasn't here. But that last episode, I was just, you know, having a little tear, trying to be brave and still just, you know, being on this emo- emotional roller coaster, like, much to the audience. So, I dabble in all of those shows. I don't care what anyone says. I don't mind it. You dabble. Is that the official phrase now? Well, sanitise for, you know, maybe being obsessed. But no, 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 no. I I don't know. If I can, I will watch it. But a lot of the times I'm not here. So that's the other thing. And, And look, to be honest, I work a lot. So there will be times where I can't. I can't actually have the TV on while I'm doing some work or scripting, for example, like tonight. Um, I won't, well, I mean, there's probably nothing on Friday night at, at the moment anyway, given it's Good Friday. But I wouldn't have the TV on while I'm doing some work. It would just be impossible. I'd get distracted. I'd get up and have a look. You know, I'd, I'd flip over here, there and everywhere. And, you know, just nothing would get done. But dirty washing would just keep piling up and up and up. But um, when I'm in the right frame of mind and I'm at home, yeah, the bachelor would be great. I, 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 I do love that kind of stuff. So, yeah. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Um, oh, nice question. Um, more stories, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully always, you know, there's always improvement to be made. Um, I, there'll probably be a wedding at some point. Nice. Um, yes. And other than that, I, I, I don't mind just how I'm tracking at the moment. I, 
It sounds very boring and sounds not very ambitious, but it's realistic for me. <laughs> oh, PJ, if you've got crazy job as you've sort of attested to over the past sort of 30 minutes and you have a wedding in the next 12 months, you've got more than your hands full. Yes. Well, here's the thing. I'm not organising my wedding. Yes, I'm refusing to do that. Um, I haven't uh, hired anyone, but I will. I'll hire someone and they can do it for us. <laughs> you think that will make it easier from a time management point of view? Oh, totally, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, I should say this is not my first rodeo either. I have been married before. Um, so I, this is, you know, round two and, mm-hmm. um, I, I know exactly kind of, um, I, I know that focus so much on the wedding is kind of the wrong perspective. I mean, not that I was completely focused the first time around, but I just, I'm very mindful of not obsessing about this white wedding because you know what? The day is never, it's never about the day. I mean, the day is wonderful, mm. but you've got years after years after years to, to go through. So I think. When those basics are right, then you know the wedding, the wedding, yeah, the wedding will sort itself out. I'm, I'm happy for it to be either last minute or plan a little bit now or pay someone to to organise for me. I'm happy. I'm happy with that. I hear that, and and I think that's not an unreasonable way to approach it, particularly for as you mentioned for you know a secondary or or so on. Yeah, because as much as anything, it's about I acknowledge what it's about this is really it's the legal process that hitches us together mm. we get to have a great party but it's from when we wake up the next morning that's where it all kicks yeah, in yeah totally and i mean you know i think uh, there are so many girls that i know a lot of their focus and you know maybe to the the year beforehand their focus is obviously the wedding because it's a big operation like you don't go to school and oh. get um a subject in how to organize a big event 101 like you know no one knows what they're kind of doing and being thrust into that world of weddings um it's true what they say add an extra 10 percent on everything that you say because it's all of a sudden for a wedding and everyone's going to be out to get your money and at the same time you know you want to you want to make your parents proud or your, your family proud or you know there's an expectation mm-hmm. that so many other people are turning up for to celebrate with you and really i mean and i'm not saying that none of this happened the first time but i think more now and being a little bit older as well I just think oh you know I'd be happy if we're on a beach with some beers I'm in a white gown and we're having the time of our lives so yes very low key there's there's lots of moving parts to a wedding too yes exactly totally totally is yeah so yeah that's if we can get that that show on the road that'd be that would would be a miracle actually (laughs) (laughs) at at my rate at at the rate that I'm going at the moment but um no I'd like to do that and and my fiance obviously you know he he wants to do this as well and we 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 you know as we want to plan it together so yeah there'll be some nice chats in the coming months about all those kind of fun bits Well, PJ, congratulations, first of all. That's a, a wonderful opportunity and a great commitment that thank you and your you. fiancé are making. Thank you. That's very huge. Yeah. Secondly, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate your time. Is that it? Well, it doesn't have to be, but we've done all right. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. I feel like I've bored you to bloody tears. Rubbish. If you'd bored me to tears, I wouldn't still be talking to you. Yeah, no. Well, sorry, I was just flipping through, you know, this morning's newspaper as we were talking. No, I'm joking. I was boring myself to tears. I'm joking. No, 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 no. That just went very fast. I thought, wow, yeah, okay, yeah. We have covered quite a bit, haven't we? 
We sure have. Please know the things that you've said, PJ, are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you so much. <laughs> is that also on the cards? Is that is that something you say to everybody? It is because it's true. Oh, that's so lovely. That's so sweet. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. It's um for starters, just because I'm half Asian and Gen Y doesn't mean I'm always pathetic at um, technology. I know what to do now when it comes to a podcast. It's yeah. fabulous. It's fabulous. I'm you are really, really happy. Ready to go. It. So yes, yes. And secondly, it's just been a pleasure talking to you. So thank you. Thank you, PJ. Very clearly you're on Twitter. Uh, and I appreciate your want to improve that performance. <laughs> yes. Are there any other social accounts that you want to admit to? Oh, yeah. I'm on Instagram. Um, that I don't mind because I love taking photos. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on Facebook. So I'm, I'm just always, I don't know, PJ Madam, I guess, because no one else is called PJ Madam that I know of because it's such a weird yeah. name. You know, like try ringing up for a Thai meal or, you know, ordering something over the phone and you've got to give out your name 10,000 times because they just, they just think you've made it up. Um, yeah, so Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Snapchat. I don't really know what the hell it does. I mean, I know what it does, but I don't do it. Um, what else is there? Oh, there's lots of things, I guess. MySpace, does that still exist? Or is that just embarrassing that I even said that? No, that's, well, you could have said okay. these things. MySpace is probably the least embarrassing of them. <laughs> what else is there? I don't, I don't know what, what's around anymore. Oh, this, well, Snapchat's certainly big. There's all there's lots of things. Hmm. Kids know what they are. I it's know, I know. Look, I'd have to... I'd have to contact my nieces and nephews and just say, "Hey, what are what are you on?" And they'd just they'd shoot. They just know exactly what I what I meant, and they'd hook me up. <laughs> sure, they would. <laughs> I mean, you could be on Tinder, but that might be counterproductive to the whole fiance getting married thing. Oh God, Tinder! Look, no no judgment for anyone who's on Tinder, but no, no, no. I'm very very happily about to walk down the aisle, or walk down the beach aisle, or walk down the I don't know. I don't know. It could be, it could be quite adventurous this wedding. So it, yeah, whatever aisle gets. Yeah, I was going to say. Room. I was going to say. I'm trying to picture this in my head. It could be a variety of things. <laughs> this has been humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at PJ Madam is indeed human. <laughs> is that like equivalent to those little blue ticks that you see? You know, there's verification. Oh, but way, way more. Way, way better. I think so. All right. I like your 